It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Schlereth, along with my co-host, Mike Evans. Scott the Hub, producing the show. What a great job Scott's doing. Thank you. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, he pushes a couple buttons. The next thing you know, we start talking, and then he cleans it all up and sends it off into space, into the ether. That's our little Scott the Huff. I'll tell you, when he's not in the hospital, he's one hell of a producer. One hell of a producer. Okay, just keep him out of the ER. Yep. Anyhow. Um, want to thank our presenting sponsors, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat, for all your uh, athletic needs, your supplement needs. Sweet Sweat, I tell you, they've been great. I'm still... I'm still right there. I'm about ready to make my next push, Mike. My next push down into the below 245. That's yeah, you got off the wagon around Thanksgiving. I did. You did. You had a... But I only gained about five pounds. Pizza, pizza tenderloin, turkey, yeah. Yeah. steak run there. That Yeah, it was a big run for me. Running the gauntlet. But I went from like 48 up to 51, 52. All right. So it wasn't too bad. So I'm back pushing. I'm still probably right around 50, 51. So I'm back pushing down. Trying to get down in time by Christmas, and then we do it all over again. Right, exactly. I want to get down to around 45. Just be sexy. You know, that way I can get some of them... uh, some of the pajama gram underpants things that yeah, you sell, right? The right. nudies. Yeah. You get some nudies, the nudies. and just pants around. <laughs> that's right. Like when we're opening up Christmas gifts. <laughs> just dad and his nudies. <laughs> Sending out the vibe. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> uh, oh, that's the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. For more information, check them out at sweetsweat.com. Also, a super book, America's <laughs> Best Bet. Two and one, baby. I'm back. Oh, I know. I'm coming I, back. And I was one and two again. And I'm just, you're slowly but surely chip, reeling chip, chip. me in. Chip away. Chip away. But only, what do we have left? Four or five weeks? <laughs> That's right. All right. So the great folks over at Superbet, Bet, America's Best Bet. All right, buddy. What do you think? Well, the 72 Dolphins got to do that annoying tradition of theirs. Pop the cork. Pop the cork. Sip a little scotch. Right. The Steelers go down. And I, 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 do you believe in good losses? Is it maybe better for the Steelers to lose a game yes. than to deal with the well, my, added bullseye of being undefeated? Mike, I've been there. Like, I have been. Now, they were under, like, what what they've been through because of COVID and everything the last couple of weeks. Uh, has been tough. You know, their games get pushed around, moved around, all that stuff, lack of continuity, all the stuff they had to deal with. And mental toughness is is a big part of that. So that's good. But I have been, you know, I'm one of the few people, um, because I was on really good teams, has that's had a chance at a run like that. Like I've been eleven and zero with Washington and I've been thirteen and zero with Denver. And so I understand there's a couple things. One you know, everybody in their brother's uncle wants to talk to you. Now, in COVID, it'd be different because if you were 11-0 and in a normal season, you'd walk into your locker room and every national reporter in the world would be sitting in your locker It just becomes a pain in the ass. There's not room to get around. Like, normally, you get your beat reporters. You get a couple people in your locker room, you know, and you can navigate it. And there are, there are like, an extra 30 people in your locker room, right? And it just becomes you start hiding in the training room, hiding in the weight room, getting away from people. So that part becomes annoying. They haven't had to deal with that. Maybe media requests for Zoom calls and crap like that, but they haven't had to deal with people being right there sitting in your locker. You're coming in from a workout or you're coming in from lunch and you want to get 
into your locker and go over a couple things before you practice and somebody's sitting there. So they haven't had to deal with that. But it is stressful. It does weigh on you mentally. And I think as a team, you tend to overlook some of the little things that will cost you games, some of the nuanced things that will cost you games. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, you get a holding call or offsides penalty or, you know, PI or something, and everybody kind of laughs it off going, hey, man, hey, we can't have that, you know, when we play a good team because that's going to cost us a game. And you're like, <laughs> yes, I know. Crazy. I did it. All right. And everybody kind of jokes around about it. But eventually, you know, you, you have enough of those issues that crop up and you get your ass kicked. That's what happens to you. So I'm just telling you, that sometimes in these situations, the best thing that can happen is you lose a game. Then the coaches bring all those little things that they've talked about for the last eight weeks. They bring them back up to the forefront, and they go, look, we talked about this in week six. Here it is in week six. Here you did the exact same thing here in week 13. Cost us a game. This, co- you know, And, and so it, it resonates. It, it sinks in. It hits you, and you've got a loss now. And some of that you can just wash away. And now let's get back to, to the business at hand. And give credit to Washington. Uh, they they battled. They're playing well. And, Mark, I, I never thought I'd say this, but the NFC East has become really interesting and entertaining. It has because you look at what Washington has done. I think they're on a three-game win streak. What the Giants have done Going into Seattle, they're on a four-game win streak going into Seattle. And I think the biggest thing, Mike, is you know adhering to what it is that you have become, finding your identity, talking to Joe Judge before that game, saying, hey, the first five or six weeks, we were trying to figure out what we were. What is our identity? And once we kind of figured out what we did well, what we don't do well, putting people in positions to execute, that's big, right? Hey, man. We know what we're good at, and we know what we're poor at. And mixing things up and giving guys an opportunity to go out and have success, I think the Giants have done an exceptional job with that. And they controlled the line of scrimmage. Think about this. They went into halftime. They were down, uh, it was a 5 nothing, 8 nothing, whatever it was. And they adhered to the run game. They probably had a they had less than 100 yards of offense, I think, in the first half. They adhered to what they were doing. They kept pounding, kept grinding. All of a sudden, they get a breakout 60-yard run by Wayne Gallman, and now they have this battle of attrition that was this game. They have leaned on the Seahawks so much that third-ranked defense just started getting splintered. And so a really good job by Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator, calling plays, sticking with, you know, sticking with those things, and finding a way to get a victory in Seattle. Really tough, tough-fought game with a backup quarterback. That's It's a pretty amazing victory. So, staying with the Giants for a second, because Joe Judge, is is he going to be one of those rare exceptions, a coach from the Belichick tree that actually does well? I think one thing about Joe Judge is he's authentic. He is who he is. And does he have a lot of those, you know, a lot of those – Bill Belichick qualities, absolutely. He's you old know school. That old school, yeah. But, but 
he's he's himself. Like it's not fake. Look at what's going on right now. All the issues that you've had out of the Belichick tree, whether it was Charlie Weiss or Josh McDaniels or even Romeo Cronella to some degree, whoever it was that got a head coaching job and failed, right? Look what's going on right now. Mike Vrabel's got his team in a playoff hunt. The Giants and, and Joe Judge have got themselves in a playoff hunt. The Miami Dolphins with Brian Flores. They're playing pretty good football. They're in a playoff hunt. So, you know, those three, that's pretty good. That's pretty good from that tree to have three guys right now that are actually, you know, actually doing really well. So I'll give him I'll give him credit on all those things. So you got the Giants looking and and, and people are feeling pretty good at five and seven. The other team in New York. Wow. Wow. I mean, wow. What a spectacular way to lose. And they come on a zero blitz. Yeah. Rex Ryan says it was maybe the worst call, defensive call he's ever seen. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, the, the, the Jets uh, corner. Um, oh, it's safety. Yeah, somebody, one of the guys on the team, I think it was a safety that was criticizing. Yeah, he criticized Greg Williams. And Williams has quickly been fired. He's out. Adam Gase is still there. Uh, <laughs> I, I, what, what do you... What do you make of the the Jets? I mean, right now is is this as bad as you've seen? I mean, we've had bad teams. We had 0 16 just a few years ago. But is is this as bad as you've seen? Yeah, Not this, just bad football, this, but this, just everything around it. it this is magnified pretty, because right. it's New York. I, I think situationally speaking, first off, you know, with 13 seconds left, you drop. You drop as many guys as you can drop. You force them to throw the ball underneath, make a tackle, and get and you're done. That game is over. So that might be the dumbest call. Rex Ryan might be right. That might be the dumbest call ever. But to fire the guy, listen, I there there's part of you that feels like he's the sacrificial lamb. Like you're you like you called it saying, hey, man, we can't give up that number one spot overall because we need Trevor Lawrence. So you called it, and then you're like, oh, you dumbass. You know, it's like it came from the it came from the office of the, you know, the owner. I, I don't know. I don't know what's real, what's not real. Um, Greg Williams is – he's an easy scapegoat because he's Greg Williams. Um, he's zero blitzed over the course of the season a bunch. That's one of the things that he does. He's an easy scapegoat. He's an easy target. They're an absolute train wreck of an organization. The fact that you don't fire Adam Gase is simply because you don't want the new coach bump that you talk about all the time, right? You don't want all of a sudden guys to rally around and actually get a win. Detroit. Look at Detroit. Right. It's real, man. It's real. New oh, coach bump. Yeah, because you're, even if you're, it's an interim coach, I don't care. It's a new coach bump. Absolutely. You're, you you want to hey, you want to go out there and say, "See, it wasn't us. It was him. It was Matt Patricia in Detroit." And you go down big time and you end up winning in Chicago, uh, you know, 34-30. So, yeah, there's a there's there's something to. I believe that. I hope they don't get the new new coach defensive coordinator bump. The Jets. Right. All of a sudden, they'll is go there, out and toss a shutout. Only when you get no, it's head coach. Only when the it head tends to be coach, head coach, and then somebody gets elevated to yeah. the interim head coach. Yeah. That's when you get the new coach bump. Yep. What about the Giants? They fired Mark Colombo, their offensive line coach. They haven't lost since. Okay. All right. I see where you're going with that. I got a lot of Giant fans that are really yeah. Angry what's with up me. with that? Now, now you are at Mark Schlereth on Twitter, and it's a very most times it's a it's a very interesting follow, no matter what. But it's it's usually really good. 
right after you've called a game because one of the teams, usually the team that loses fan bases, loves to come after you and right. you love to come back. I mean, yeah. you 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 completely engage. In this case, it was the Giants fans after a win. What the heck happened there? Uh, well, I, apparently I was too excited about uh, Jamal Adams, who was in New York for a while, even though he was yeah. a Jet, and so... You do have a... a, a Man crush? Yeah, you have a man crush on Jamal Adams. Well... But you know, I can't blame you. Jamal Adams is that good. He's a freak. And oh, by the way, I, I was all over Jabril Peppers because he played great. He ran over Chris Carson, and I got all excited about that. But I didn't, you know... I, and and I got excited about I got excited about DK Metcalf absolutely pile driving a corner and it wasn't for a lot of extra yards but stiff arm and just pile drive somebody yeah and so apparently you know for for giant fan not all giant most giant fans are reasonable people but there's <laughs> there's some people yeah but you there are people yeah there's some giant fans that. I wasn't. I gave too much love to the Seahawks, and they won the game, and they're you know first place in the NFC East, and they're gonna storm you know storm down the doors, and I didn't give them enough credit and boohoo and um and all that stuff, and so you know I mean I whatever like, like you know me I'm just gonna go back at people and and engage and um and goof around and stuff, and then th- th- there was a whole brigade of people that uh, that. Came after me. Well, while, while we're talking about fan bases that are known to, for being kind of prickly and combative, uh, Philly fan is like that. And actually, you know what, Philly fan is interesting. Oh, they're they're a little different. Yeah, they're di- like Giant fan is is pissing and moaning and whining about not getting enough credit. Like, like they they're like, well, ever since Joe Judge started coaching the O line, you're a moron. You haven't done your homework. Like, Joe Judge is a head coach, you dumbass. He's not coaching the O-line. Now, he's made some changes, and he said, I want to get away from the philosophy that some of the philosophy that Mark Colombo was coaching, and I want to go to a different philosophy. I'll give him all the credit in the world. I talked to him. You haven't done your – you didn't prepare at all for this game. You didn't. I'm a New York Giants fan. You didn't prepare at all for this game. You're a f- moron. <laughs> so oh, – oh, oh. So anyhow, I like it. Pardon my friend. That's all right. Um, anyhow, like, <laughs> but Joe Judge has changed the philosophical approach. He and Mark Colombo got in a big fight, and they've got some guy named I. I call him Double D. Yeah, Dave the Gigliamo. The yeah, he's with the the he, Patriots. For he's a while, been with a he? million different yeah. teams. He's been with and, and yeah. so so that's where Judge knew. So him. Judge Judge is just like, hey, listen, man, I want to go strictly kind of gap. Pin and pull. This is what I want to do. Colombo and Jason Garrett were more of a zone. Blah blah blah. He didn't like it. Um, they 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 didn't get in a fight. They they screamed and yelled and and he got dismissed. But to, to, to act like Joe Judge is now coaching the O line, you're you're an idiot if you think that. So I, I bring up Philly only because it's one of the great mysteries. It really is one of the great mysteries of of this season. What the hell happened to Carson Wentz? Dude looks broken. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who just last year, you know, was was playing at a high, high level. He got one of the richest contracts ever given out. And and right now the guy looks broken. He is. And like is he fixable? Mike mechanically me- mechan- like he just he sees ghosts. He he feels ghosts. He feels pressure. Even when it's not there, Mike uh, like you, you see him. Just never setting his feet. 
like never stepping into a throw, throwing off platform when he doesn't need to throw off platform. Now, trust me, there are plenty of plays where he has to throw off platform because that offensive line is garbage. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. They can't block anybody because they've had so many injuries. They can't block anybody. Um, Carson Wentz has just been so beat down that his mechanics are terrible and his accuracy has suffered. And then they don't threaten anybody vertically. So you either press them and jam them with line of scrimmage. You're not afraid of getting beat over the top. Or even if you're in zone and you're at seven yards deep, you're playing a flat foot read. You're reading your pattern reading. So you're just playing flat footed, Mike. And you're like, not one of these guys can beat me on a double move. That That's how teams are playing them. So every throw is tight window throw. I mean, every throw is a tight window throw. And and Carson isn't isn't accurate right now with the tight window throw and nobody has nobody has any any separation at all. I mean it's it is a debacle. And I and I think the other thing Doug Peterson, you know, he's not he's not he he shouldn't go blameless. I don't think there are a lot of easy answers. I don't think they just say, "Hey man, our quarterback's struggling. Let's give him a bunch of easy answers." There's not a lot of outlet stuff for him. There's not a lot of quick throws for him. For him, I called the game in Cleveland, and they set up a great double. They set up this great double move, um, that's that's wide open, Mike. It's a wide open off of a off of a play fake and a like a fake bubble screen and go. It was a fake bubble screen and go, and Jalen Rager is their rookie wide receiver, right? And he runs down like he's stock blocking, and bam. Hits he he takes off on kind of a like kind of a you know into an open space area like almost a uh, almost a corner route and it's I mean it's wide open it's a it's if you just I could throw it a hundred out of a hundred times and it's at least a twenty five yard gain and if somebody with accuracy could throw it and lead him you know it may be a touchdown it's going to be a 40, 50 yard gain and instead he throws the bubble screen it's a fake bubble screen and go. He he gets off of it, throws the bubble screen, linebackers out there, picks it, and takes it for a touchdown the other way. It's pick six. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, there's decisions like that that happen for Carson Wentz. It's just not a it's just a bad, it's a bad product. You know, you mentioned the Browns. You're you're an easygoing guy, but one thing that triggers you is Whenever anybody brings up the idea that the Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak offense is outdated. Right. That it's archaic. And you get pissed at that. And I'm looking at what Cleveland did last week with Kevin Stefanski, who's a Kubiak disciple. disciple. Cleveland put on a show. Yeah. 41 points. Baker Mayfield was just playing pitch and catch. So, so much for that archaic offense, huh? Yeah, I mean, when you can run the ball and control the line of scrimmage and you can set up your play action and do all those things, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Yeah, it, well, it's you amazing. just laid it out. Right, amazing how, how things work out for you. And you think about this with Cleveland, too, now. They lost Odell Beckham Jr. They they lost a uh, – they also lost somebody early in the season. Now the name escapes me. Who's on IR? Um but he was a deep. He was a deep threat guy. I can't. Re- I can't remember the kid's name now. All of a sudden, but he was a deep threat guy. Uh, is now currently on IR. So they lost their two big speed threats, Mike. And and so 
they don't have a deep over the top guy that they can consistently rely on. Okay. So that's kind of where they are. And, and, um, you know, you've got to, oh, I know Jojo Natson was their, their deep time speed receiver over the top guy. They lost him. They lost Odell Beckham Jr. And so they rely on dominating the line of scrimmage and they've got a great offensive line, uh, running the football and consistently run the football with Chubb and Hunt, and they're great. And then, you know, setting up your play action and getting over the top on your play action stuff. And when that stuff is working, man, it's it's really hard to defend. And then all the boot keep game, getting using Baker Mayfield. He is athletic. He can get out there. He's accurate on the run. He climbs the pocket well. He does a lot of things well. So, yeah, they're legit, man. They got a legit opportunity, um, you know, at a playoff berth. So, Real quick, we look at the AFC, and, and you see Kansas City and Pittsburgh, they're the alpha dogs, right? Mm-hmm. And and it would be real easy just to say, put these two in the AFC championship game. Of all the other AFC teams, give me the dark horse team that it wouldn't surprise you if they were this year's Tennessee, a team that you look up at the end and they're in the AFC championship game. Ooh, Who is that's, it? That is a, that's a good question. Um, is it Cleveland? Is it Buffalo? Is it Miami? Is I, it is it Indy? Uh, I would I would tell you that if I picked a team that I thought was the dark horse team, dark horse team that could meet Kansas City in the AFC Championship, and you'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, it'd be Buffalo. I think I think they've done such a good job on the development of Josh Allen. You know, it's like all of a sudden Josh Allen, because he's always had incredible arm talent, incredible athleticism, right? But all of a sudden Josh Allen has, you know, blossomed. But you go back to his first couple of years, 2018, he led the team in rushing. (laughs) You know, they were a top, they were always a top 10 rushing team and, Bottom third passing team. First two years in the league, they were ninth and eighth in rushing, 31st rookie year, and 26th in passing. Yeah. This year, 23rd in rushing, third in passing. Right, and part of that is they're not using Josh Allen as, you know, as that quarterback design run, 10-12 rushes a game anymore. He is He's operating, man. He's really developed nicely. But, again, having a plan – to develop a quarterback, understanding what does, you know, what what's the best way to develop that quarterback. And and they did that, right? Run the ball, control the line of scrimmage, use the quarterback run, set up the play action. Let's limit him to 18 to 23 passes a game. That's what they were. And lear- and, and let him learn the NFL game on a pace that is on a pace that's appropriate for the maturation of a young player. Tip of the cap to Buffalo because they've to me they've done it the right way. They understood what they were. They developed a system to help them along the way until their quarterback was really ready to blossom. Isn't that wow, what a novel concept. What right? a novel concept. Yeah. Instead of the you know the toilet paper throwaway society that we live in, where it's just like, let's shove him in there right now and maybe he'll be the next Mahomes. I've got, I've got, I've got, you know, news for you. There's only one Mahomes. There's very few guys that can come in and just, you know, light the league on fire from day one. That's a good pick. I like that. I like that Buffalo pick. They're, they're well coached. They're tough. 
They play defense. They they play special teams, and they play in in tough conditions, which will right. will have them battle tested, weather wise for the for the playoffs. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's their fans be a, too. The Bills Mafia are the toughest people. That's like, going to be. You, you that's, see all the tables they break. That, and they break a lot of tables. They're table breakers. A lot of table breakers. Like when Giant fans comes after me, I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. It's Giant fan. Like Giant fan is fake tough guy fan. The Bills Mafia are a real tough guy fan. When they come after you, you got to look over your shoulder. You can't resist, can you? You can't resist. No, not, well, not with the, the knuckleheads. Just, just like poking the bear. Huh? I'm talking about the knucklehead yeah, fans. Uh-huh. Every uh-huh. every fan base has knucklehead That's fans. That's true. Giants just have more? Well, there's more people in New York, God, in New York City, go. right? Good point. Good point. Yeah. Playing the percentages. You know, the same guys who are talking tough about beating me up would be taking pictures with me and getting me to sign autographs for their kids <laughs> if I was walking the streets of New York. You know how they are. Yes. You know how they are. I know how they All are. All right, for everybody involved in the Sink of Truth podcast, uh, for Mike, for Scott, myself, we thank you so much. We'll be back Thursday to discuss our moneymaker picks and why I suck.